This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen here with you. Upstate Medical University has a new president. Dr. Danielle LaRocca-Rina is the first woman to lead the university and comes to us from her role as the chair of the Department of Pediatrics at Maimonides Medical Center and vice president of Maimonides Infants and Children's Hospital of Brooklyn in New York City. She also served as a professor of pediatrics at Albert Einstein College of Medicine at Yeshiva University in New York City. And she's here with us now. Welcome, Dr. Lorac Arena. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you this morning. So you're new to central New York. How do you like it so far? Oh, we love it. We love it. My husband and I have moved up here. And really, um, we're New Yorkers. So it was not a stretch to come to central New York. We've obviously been here for various reasons, and it's beautiful here. Uh, Syracuse has a great deal of history, and um, that was palpable when we came and through the decision process of, of moving up here and accepting this position. That's great, you know, and we haven't had too bad a winter so far. <laughs> I say so that what... I brought the warm weather with me. <laughs> that's good. We like that. So let's let's have an opportunity to, for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Where were you born and raised? So I was born in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, which is a small island that's um, um, the island of Hispaniola, which is Haiti on one side and the Dominican Republic on the other side. Haiti is a francophone country, meaning that the primary languages, there are two, are French and Creole. And I moved to this country at the age of seven, so very young. And second grade I did in Queens, New York. I'm from Queens as well. <laughs> and so you, you basically lived as an, in New York City most of your early career in terms of education. Sure, I did all my, I'm a public school kid, mm -hmm. so I did my elementary and intermediate school. They were uh, piloting intermediate schools at the time and uh, high school in Queens. And then did my first couple of years um, at Fordham University and a year abroad in England and actually graduated from UCLA, which is the um, the university system in Los Angeles, which is also public. Um, so, at, so at one point you moved out to California I to did. finish your career. Sure. So uh, give us a feeling for why you chose to go into medicine. Was there something in your background? Was there something in your family life? You know, that's interesting. So yes, um, neither of my parents was in medicine, but actually my grandfather in Haiti in a small village called Benet was actually a physician. And my grandmother, who was um, a teacher, extremely bright, he and she ran actually a pharmacy because you couldn't survive in medicine in Haiti at the time because you really did have to give most of your services free because you were the only physician in town. So that was not negotiable. So, yeah. So in seeing that or thinking about that, you saw that potentially inspirational for you? Actually, unfortunately not. My grandfather, I... Um, knew him. Uh, he died very early so that I really remember when I was six, uh, I remember his death. But of course, I knew that he was a physician. My grandmother lived with us. She came, she moved when we moved from Haiti to New York. My grandmother actually accompanied um, my brothers and, and me. And so she was a big influence and had obviously been a partner to my grandfather um, as a physician. And so I think had a great impact. Why pediatrics? Uh, pediatrics was um, um, an interesting choice for me. My training was at UCLA, so I went to the UCLA School of Medicine. 
and um, we had both the tertiary quaternary care center at UCLA, and then two fantastic, uh, a number of fantastic other clinical sites. Um, uh, the two that stand out for me are Harbor UCLA and Martin Luther King Hospital, and they were both in areas that had um, demographically very tough conditions, but extremely uh, robust um, education. And in both those settings, I did um, my clerkship in pediatrics at Martin Luther King, and I did what's called the sub-I, which is um, a more intense uh, month um, at Harbor UCLA in the neonatal intensive care unit, and I just loved it. So pediatrics became the the thing, and then you went on and you did a residency and further training beyond. Surely, that. sure. So the the um, progress for medicine is you do your basic four years, then you decide what specialty. And in my case, it was pediatrics, and I wanted to come back east. So even though my husband and I had been in Los Angeles for six years. Um, we really wanted to migrate back east, and Philadelphia, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, University of Pennsylvania, is one of the premier programs, and I fell in love with that city and um, and with the program. So I was fortunate to be an intern and resident there, and I also was a Robert Wood Johnson General Academic Pediatric Fellow there, focusing on clinical research and primary care. So in doing all of that work, obviously there were some things that tugged at you, you know, during the, during that kind of very formative time in your in your professional career, what were the kinds of things that you noticed or felt very strongly about even way back then? So way back, um, my undergraduate degree is in chemistry. So I, I loved chemistry, particularly organic, but uh, chemistry. But I love chemistry, and actually, my first research was on lead um, poisoning and calcium status that sort of melded the two. But lead poisoning, as you know, the recent um, um, issues in Flint, in Flint Michigan, Michigan sure. etc., that that has a very important social context and prevention. So lead has an unfortunate history in our country in that it is a toxin that is is a neurotoxin and affects many different areas of the body. But prevention is the key. So you know, screening when folks are asymptomatic is unfortunately too late because you're detecting lead already in the body. So in in pediatrics, uh, the reason I gravitated towards that was certainly the rigor that pediatrics demands, but also the opportunities for real prevention. Okay, to make and a difference. To to make a difference, you make a difference at every level, right? I mean, in the care of ger- geriatric patients, you make a sure. difference. But I think the the emphasis on public health on population. Um, remember, I came from a very poor country, so that was in my background to understand how poverty can be absolutely crushing in terms of the opportunities for individuals and populations. So that was always critical in my assessment of where I wanted to take my career. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen along with Upstate's new president, Dr. Danielle LaRock Arena. And we're talking about her life, her interests, and her hopes for Upstate under her leadership. We'll get to that in a minute. But so you've done a lot in the world of medical education. A lot of your more recent years Mm -hmm. have been spent in educating medical students, residents, all of that. Tell us about that. What what is particularly important to you in that? Uh, so um, yes, I think again, uh, uh, 
my background is as a clinician, so I always say everything that I do is, is grounded in the clinical work. But I've always integrated education and research in that. And so if you look back at my first uh, faculty appointment, which was at Columbia University in Harlem, I felt very strongly that the rigor um, that I had seen at the University of Pennsylvania needed to come with me. And I was surrounded by incredible individuals in those days at Columbia and at Harlem that we needed to translate that also to more impoverished um, areas. So Harlem Hospital has a long history, and um, I wanted to continue to do medical education in those settings because you have to have real fidelity to um, the way care is practiced and what you teach. And right? cultural sensitivity, I would think, as well. Um, it's even beyond cultural sensitivity. It is a reframing of what's just so that if there are things that you're teaching about the way that medicine needs to be delivered, the students need to be able to see that in real life. Okay, they can't be a disconnect between what they see in the delivery of care to underserved populations, for example, and what we tell them is the right way to practice. So I think embedding, so I had medical students from the very beginning of my career, okay? And obviously residents, I went to teaching programs and academic programs. So that was fundamental. I've never been in a setting without trainees, okay? And then um, when I went from Harlem and Columbia to Mount Sinai for a decade, um, I actually developed fellowship programs in general academic pediatrics and internal medicine where every fellow actually had a master's in public health emerge wow. from the program with a master's in public health. And we trained more than a couple of, um, uh, um, uh, let's see, we trained over 20, 20 fellows during that, that decade. And there it was to continue their training um, in terms of clinical research, okay? A role of epidemiology was important, understanding um, research design, and understanding the importance of evaluating what you do in the clinical setting was really important. And, you know, things like community-based participatory research, health services research, um, all of that became very important in the training. So I've trained many fellows. I've also trained many fellows in child abuse pediatrics, which is the latest specialty, uh, which was boarded, subboarded in 2009. I didn't realize it was that recent. It is that recent, meaning child abuse has existed forever, and many of us have done child abuse work in team-based care, which perhaps we'll get a chance to talk about, but actually, the American Board of Pediatrics decided to actually require a certification exam, which I took and many others. I, we were the first, I think, the first 200 folks or so who took the certification exam for this as a specialty. And I had the privilege of training, oh, about five or six uh, fellows in that new specialty so that the specialty can continue beyond those of us who really learned it through practice. So did this kind of concept or this this interest in all of this, you know, the, this idea of training medical students in the all of the epidemiology and of how poverty affects health and all of those things. 
th that led you in some ways to become involved in public policy. That's correct. So That's you co were part of the U.S. Public Health Service primary care policy. You were a fellow for them. Yes. Very it's briefly. A, I, sure. Just tell us a it's little bit. Um, each medical organization uh, across interprofessional had the opportunity to send a representative from their organization to Washington for a six-month fellowship as a policy fellow. So I had um, the honor of representing the American Academy of Pediatrics. And um, in fact, the things we talked about came to pass in the past decade or so, which had to do with comprehensiveness of care and the medical home, and also care coordination and compassionate care and continuous care. So um, that policy says, you know, what is, how should we sort of organize medical care? And I alluded to that in the training of our students, that we need to reflect what we believe in our principles in the practice of medicine. And have a team approach as well. And have a team approach. But there are policies that have led to a pretty fragmented healthcare system. I'm going to stop you there because I don't want to run out of time. What I want to do is, if you looked into your crystal ball, <laughs> where, where do you see medical education slash healthcare delivery going? briefly, right. in the 21st century? I think in the 21st century, it has to be driven by team-based care. That means it's interprofessional, that we no longer train in silos because we know it's more effective. It has to involve um, robust data. It has to involve information technology. It has to importantly involve patients and their families at the center of care. You know, for each one of us, what's important in our health is very personal. And medicine needs to gravitate towards patient-centered and family-centered care, and then use the latest science, genomics, genetics, how do we do precision medicine, et cetera, to individualize that care and yet keep the broader framework of family and community in the context. Very well said. Perfectly said. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. My guest has been, uh, has been Upstate Medical University's new president, Dr. Danielle LaRocca-Arena. And we've had a wonderful opportunity to visit with you. Thanks so very much for coming in. I'm Linda Cohen, and you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. <laughs>